We're going to turn uh, to God's Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, it's Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6 and uh, verse 1. Nehemiah 6 and verse 1. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, Would you read this with me this morning, chapter verse 3? Um, just read that verse with me if you could. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Let's pray. Father, we just ask this morning, though we sense your presence, we sense, O oh God, you desire to speak into our hearts afresh this morning. We pray for your anointing. We pray for your help both to preach and to hear your word. We ask that your name would be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said it. Amen. Come, let us meet in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. You know, in the heart, in the heart, that is where God will deal with men and women. The purpose of God, God's eternal purpose, working out on here, this great earth that he owns, that he has made. When God desires to reveal his purpose, he'll reveal it into the heart of a man or a woman or a young person. And this move of the Spirit of God came on a man called Nehemiah. And if you go back a few chapters, I know we're so familiar with this book, Nehemiah chapter 1, we see that the eternal purpose of God was revealed into the heart of a man. That's how God works. He reveals his desire and his purpose into the heart of a man. And Nehemiah 1 and 3, we see here that as Nehemiah inquires after the remnant that are in uh, Jerusalem, he gets the answer Nehemiah 1 and 3, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. And when Nehemiah heard these words, there was a spiritual birth in his heart. There was a revelation that came. It was not by just the words of man. It was a revelation that came by the Spirit of God, God revealed his heart to Nehemiah. And it says these words, that I sat down and I began to weep and I began to mourn over what he had heard. This was the birthing pangs of the purposes of God. It says that he fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. <clears throat> Let's pick up the prayer that he prayed because we often pray, and it is right, Lord, teach us to pray. And you'll see right here how we ought to pray. 
It says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and the terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive. Let your eyes be open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I, my father's house, have sinned. He identified with the failure and the sin of Israel. He did not set himself apart. He identified with the brokenness and the sin of Israel. We have dealt very corruptly with thee, and have not kept thy commandments, nor thy statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. Verse 9. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from hence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. What a prayer. What a prayer. He brings to God, he identifies, he identifies with the sin and the brokenness. We have dealt, I have dealt. And so he comes before God acknowledging the sin of the nation of Israel. There is a right way to pray. There is a right way to pray. And it's always when we bring the word of the Lord to the throne of grace. When we identify that our nation is in the mess that it's in because of our sin, Lord, have mercy upon us. And so there's a cry from the heart. This is the Spirit of God. This is the groanings of the Spirit in the life of Nehemiah. This is not something from his head. This is in the depths of his Spirit. And he begins to plead before God, God have mercy. He brings God's word to God. He reminds God of God's covenant. That he's a covenant keeping God. That God keeps his word. He quotes Moses. Now here's the important thing for us to know this. Moses received this word from the Lord. 1300 BC. Around that date. 1,300 years before Christ. Nehemiah is quoting the word of the Lord that Moses received 750 years later. Did you grasp it? The word of the Lord is true. God is a God that cannot lie. So Nehemiah lays hold of the word of truth. 750 years later, what God has said is absolutely truth. It never fails. And he brings to God his word. God, you've said that if we will sin and if we turn from you, you'll scatter us across the nations of the world. 
But, Lord, if we cry out to you for mercy and we align ourselves again with your word, then you said, no matter how far we've gone, praise God, I'll gather you all back in again. That's the promise of God. That's the promise that God has given to Israel. That's the covenant that God has made with his people. So when we pray, we must know, and despite what is happening, that God's a God that cannot lie. He doesn't lie. What you read in his word, brothers and sisters, this morning, it's absolute truth. He never fails. 700 years later, Nehemiah knew his word's good. And I can bring his word to the throne of grace. So, what does that mean for us this morning? Well, does he not say in his word, I am the God that healeth thee? Well, then we bring not what we feel, not what we think, not what big Susie says down the street, but we bring the word of the Lord to the throne of grace. And we say, Lord, you said that you're the God that heals me. And this is your word. And I believe it. And I'll cry on to you day and night until you heal me. That's the word of the Lord. Because it's what God says. Doesn't matter what Jimmy says or Bobby says or Frank says. Not this Frank, but any Frank. It doesn't matter what Elizabeth says. What matters this morning is what God says. And God says, you bring your word to me. I will hear and I will answer, but align yourselves unto the word of the Lord. Malachi 3 and 6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Heaven and earth, Luke 21 and 33, will all pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So we need to know that when we pray, I encourage everyone again that when we pray, it's important to pray the word of God. Are you hearing me this morning? When we come to pray, pray the word of God. You can never go wrong when you pray the word of the Lord. Nehemiah used the word effectively. That's why it's called the sword of the, the sword of the spirit. It's a sword. There's power in God's word. There's power. It's a two-edged sword. And so we must pray according to that. Now God says, if you will, this is what God says, if you will, then I will. That's what he says, not right? James 4 and 7 says these words, submit yourself, therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will, he's going to go, draw nigh to God, what does he do? And I'll draw near to you. Not wonderful? Draw near. And then it says, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Jeremiah 33 and 3. You see it hanging up all over walls. But friends, may it not just be hanging on the walls. May it be a reality. Call on to me. What does he say? And I'm going to answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. The great revival verse that we quote often, but there's conditions in the promise. If my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked way, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. What a promise. You see, God's more willing than what we are even to receive. If we will, he will. So in Nehemiah, as that is birthed in his heart, if you turn over into Nehemiah chapter 2, I want to go through a couple of things this morning and then we'll see a change in the tactic. Nehemiah chapter 2, 
And verse 17, Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem. He's moved by the Spirit of the Lord. And he says to the people, you see the distress that we're in? You see that Jerusalem is lying in waste. That's like our nation at this time. It's lying in rubble. It's lying in waste. The gates are burned with fire. And he says, he proclaims, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we're no longer a reproach. And brothers and sisters, this morning in a New Testament context, the church of Jesus Christ, and agrees us, has become a reproach in the world. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire. And so as Nehemiah inspects the walls, there's a cry that we have responded to collectively. Now we are here to build the kingdom of God. We are not here to pull the kingdom down. We are here to build it up. We are co-laborers with the Lord Jesus Christ to build the kingdom of God. But then it says in verse 19 of chapter 2, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, they despised us, and they said, What is this thing that you'll do? Will you rebel against the king? Now here we see a spiritual, in our context, a spiritual opposition. The mockery and the scorn of the kingdom of darkness. They're laughing and they're mocking. Even religious people are laughing and mocking. What's this thing that you're thinking of doing? What's this thing you're talking about? What's this revival that you pray about? What's this desire to see a move of God? What's this we heard about you believing for souls and believing for God to move in great power? What's this thing that I hear you people talking about? And so the enemy begins to oppose and laugh and scorn and mock the desire of God. What God has put in our hearts is our desire is to see a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. So there's spiritual opposition. Would you say amen if you know what I'm talking about? There's spiritual opposition. You come to this little fellowship, you're going to experience opposition, spiritual opposition. I heard uh, Carter Conlon saying a message, Trisha sent me it, Nicky Wood sent me it, so I thought I better listen to it. I need to listen to this. Somebody wants me to hear a message. And he said in the middle of a sudden, just struck a chord when he said this, the church is too soft. The church must become a warrior church. Because we're soft. And friends, I want to tell you something in my heart said that is what our cry is. We're soft. We're easy knocked out. We're easy knocked over. We're easy persuaded. And the enemy's laughing and he's mocking. And he's coming against the church of Jesus Christ. And we know this morning that we're on that victory side. We know that Jesus is building his church and he's called us as co-laborers together. And Nehemiah responds onto them in verse 20 of Nehemiah 2 and says, the God of heaven, listen, the God of heaven, he's going to prosper us. Anybody say amen if you believe that? I mean, God, we are on God's side. And if God's for us, who can be against us? Thank God he's building his church 
and the gates of hell. What Nehemiah is saying, let me tell you something. Powers of hell, all the religious people, let us tell you something this morning. God's building his kingdom in the midst of this world. And thank God he will build it and he will receive the glory and all the victory is going to him. And so this morning we're up against it. There's a battle on. There's a reproach. And here we're laboring in prayer. And we're believing God. Like so many, we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones. There's a whole remnant across these islands that are longing for God to move in His glory. And we're small in number. And we're insignificant. And they'll soon let you know you're small in number. But don't worry about that. We've got a big God. That's the important thing. And so he says, the God of heaven is going to prosper us. Therefore, we his servants, we will arise and we will build. I mean, the devil hates people who are determined. There's a good type of stubbornness and there's a bad type. But the type that says we'll not move, we'll not move from what God has said. We're going to stand on the promises of God. We're going to believe God no matter what the devil does. We are going to believe God. That's a good type of stubbornness. That's a good type. It's okay. You can say amen. You can have a good type of stubbornness. And so he says, we will arise and build. And here's what he said. But see you, you'll have no portion. You'll have no right. You'll have no memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, Satan, you have no right in this kingdom. Listen to me this morning, saints. The devil has no right in this kingdom. He's no rights because at Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ stripped the devil of every right. And Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. He is the mighty victor. And the devil's no rights in the kingdom. Sorry if I'm getting excited. I'm sorry if I'm shouting, but I'll shout it louder. The devil's no rights in the kingdom. He's no rights in your life. He's no rights in your home. He's no rights in the church of Jesus Christ. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a defeated foe. Christ is trapped and he has no rights in the kingdom. He doesn't like it, friends. But we've got to punch through it this morning a bit. If it's just a wee bit of flesh, and forgive me this morning, but there's something here that's rising. Okay? So he's no rights. No rights in your home. No rights in your family. No rights to your mind. No rights to your heart. He's no rights to your body because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's no rights. He's no rights to take your peace. No rights to take your joy. No rights to take your strength. No rights to take your healing. No rights to take your victory. No rights to take your song because Christ has given us the victory. So when we lose the victory, lose the peace, lose the joy, there's something that's happened. And brothers and sisters, we've got to regain it because we give it up. And we've got to take it back. We've got to take it back. So devil, you have no portion. You have no right. You have no memorial. You have nothing to do with this. Chapter 3 then tells us, it's a wonderful chapter, but you can read it when you go home. But it tells us of a people that rose up. A people just together. This is what we're, brothers and sisters, this is what we're longing for. This is what we want to see. You know, they just got together. 
And they say, we're, we're going to rise up. We're going to build. There's something bigger than all of this. There's something bigger than, than balling a hinge. There's something bigger than this little building this morning. It's God, but it's beyond what we're doing. It's something much more. The eye hasn't seen it, nor has the ear heard what God has put in the heart of man. And what he's about to do in his glory, he's about to reveal. It's beyond us. It's bigger than us. And God's saying, here's a people that started to get up against the wall. And we're going to have a mind to work. We're going to have a mind to build. We're going to play our part on the wall. We're going to lift up those stones out of the rubble, out of the muck and the mire. That's the souls of men. And we're going to lift them up by the grace of God and put them in the wall. And we're going to see the wall built spiritually. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. I'm not talking about the building next door. I'm talking about a spiritual building, a prayer, an intercession, the gift is the callings, the working out of God, the reaching out to the community, the power of the Holy Spirit, God moving in power, raising up a church full of the Holy Ghost. That's what we're about. But everyone says we'll play a part. We'll get it to that wall. We'll start to build. We'll start to stand. And then we see this in the New Testament equivalent. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to see what the, the, the parallel is of chapter 3, in case you think, well, how do you bring that in? It's all here. Ephesians 2 and 20 says, Ephesians 2 20 says, And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Verse 21 says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. This is New Testament. In whom ye also, who's the ye also? Everyone that's saved, say amen. amen. That's you this morning. Ye also are builded together. God brings us together. When you're born again, his purpose is to bring you into a local fellowship, an assembly of God's people. And here's the purpose of God. This is awesome. That we would be a habitation of God through the Spirit. This is a spiritual house. This is not I'm going to the meeting. This is not I better get there in case I get told off. This is the habitation of God. That's why I want to be here. So we're being built and we're willing to be on the wall. Are you on the wall? Are you building? Are you a builder? Are you an encourager? Well, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, we see them again. There's a familiar pattern that you're following. Came to pass, Nehemiah 4 and 1, when Sambalat heard that we are building the wall, what, did he, what was he? He was wroth. So the old devil starts to get mad, doesn't he? And he took great indignation. I mean, he was really mad. And he began to mock the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones? Is there going to be revival here? It's going to be a move of God's spirit. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish that are burned? And then Tobiah, they often come in threes or twos. Then Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him. And he says, even if you do build it, sure if a fox go up, he'll just pull the whole thing down. 
Just as something so small. Thank God this morning that we're not to despise the days of small things. God's always used five loaves, two fish, a couple of disciples, 120 in an upper room. God's always used the insignificant and the nothing to do that which is great throughout all of history. So don't be put off by the big and the powerful because God's looking the small. But listen, be careful because a little fox can rack the whole vine. So the enemy was twisting something. Here, O oh God, we are despised. Here's the prayer. We are despised. Turn their reproach upon their head. Give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So then verse 6 says this. Here's a people that God's looking today. So the devil's doing all that. The nation's going to hell as fast as it can. But I tell you what we're going to do. So we built the wall. That's what they did. There was a determination. All the wall was joined together under the half thereof. Why? Because the people, what did they have? They had the right mind. They had the mind of Christ. Verse 7 says this, But it came to pass, here we are again. Here they come again. But it came to pass, Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabians, now they're getting a whole gang of them together. That's what's happening today. There's a whole gang of them getting together. The liberals, or the environmentals, you know, the, this extinction, rebellion, or whatever they are, putting pink boats in the middle of the road and all the rest of it. Listen, the environmentals, the homosexuals, the liberals, all the crackpots of the day. I know they're, we're the crackpots in their eyes, but all the gathering of every type of thing that you can imagine, they're all coming together. And here's what it says. And they were very wroth. There's a madness in them now. It's nearly like they're going crazy. It's nearly like that they can't control themselves. You know what I'm saying? You listen to them. It's like they can't control themselves when you talk about God. It's like nearly they grow horns immediately. It's like they start to foam at the mouth. They're so angry against God. It's not the way it is. Politicians, pop stars, film stars, liberals, politics, all of it, friends, are all coming together. And then it says, but we just had that mind to work. And the breaches began to stop. Here's what's happening, brothers and sisters. I believe this. In the spiritual, the walls are coming up. You may not see that. You may not feel that. The spiritual atmosphere may not sense that. But there's something happening today in the spiritual realm. Do you know what's happening? Those walls are coming up. The enemy doesn't see it. He senses something. So he's wrought against. You see, every time God's about to burst something, you'll see the brutality of the wicked one. You see them in Egypt. You've seen them. They, that, that, they slaughtered those babies in Egypt. When Christ was about to be born, they slaughtered, after he was born, they slaughtered those babies. When there's about to be a birth, you'll see the vicious onslaught of the powers of darkness. But God's about to birth something. Something's about to come forth. And so we see here that the breaches began to be stopped they were very wroth. Verse 8 says, All and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem. All of them conspired together to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder the work of God. That's where we are. There's a conspiracy. I'm not in the conspiracy theories. This is a real conspiracy. 
This is a conspiracy of every type of wicked grouping and device of the enemy that are all coming together for one purpose, and it's against the kingdom of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they're angry. Then verse 9 says this. I just love this because this is really what we should be. Nevertheless, never, would you say nevertheless? <laughs> nevertheless, we made our prayer unto the Lord. And we set a watch against them day and night because of them. That speaks of a church that's awake, a church in prayer, a church that's alive, a church that's vigilant, a church that has the armor on, a church that's got their oil in their lamps, a church that's in the Word. That's not just on a Sunday. That's the life that we live. So we are ready in these dark days to stand and be watchful against all the powers of darkness. So the opposition, we're going through it here, was blatant. It was obvious. You can see it. How many people know what I'm talking about this morning? Have you heard this? Stephen, a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, rightfully brought to us the, the, the reality of where we are. Many times I've brought to you the reality. You see, it's not just statistics. Listen to me this morning. When God brought Ezekiel into that valley, he said, Ezekiel, you make sure you look very close and see the reality of the valley. You've got to know the reality of the hour in which we're living in. Because you're going to see the reality of the power of God. And all of us will be able to say, only God could do this. You've got to know the reality. People are in ignorance. People don't believe it's happening. People are caught up in all manners in church life. They don't even think there's anything wrong. We're just sailing along with the world and the spirit of the age. But we've got to see it. So now the enemy's pounding away. Boy, he's having a field day. He's just punching away. He's taking his liberties. He's coming through the breaches. He's coming into lives. He's, he's, he's coming up against the church of Jesus Christ. We're discouraged. Sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we don't know where to turn. We see all the workings of the devil all around us, and we feel the intensity of it. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? You feel it in your home. You feel it in your life. You feel it on your mind. You feel the pressure. You feel the intensity, the spiritual wickedness. I know circumstances are happening all around us, but it's not the circumstances. It's the spirit behind the circumstances. It's the spirit behind it. So often we're not, because the circumstances are real, so often we can't see what's happening because of the circumstance. It's the spirit at work. It's the spirit of the age. And so we see and we understand and we say, we just know it's the enemy. We know we can see he's bashing away there. It's, it's, that, it's nearly like a physical attack that you can sense. And you know it in your spirit and you see it and you sense it. But then you see the devil's more subtle than any beast of the field. Then there's a change of tactic. He's a tactician in that sense that, well, I know I can, I can blatter him all day. Not, not, not that way, but I can, I can just keep at him all day. But he's not going to jack this in. 
I, I, can, I can go for her all day. I can just bombard her, discouragement, let down, too much pressure. But you know, in the end, I know she's just going to drop to her knees and call out to God and say, God, just help me, and God will help her. I, I know when I come into that house and I ransack that home and I bring discouragement, see, I know by the end of the day that they're going to believe me. God's going to break through. God's going to heal them. God's going to deliver them. They're going to walk on. So I'll keep bashing away at these ones. But you see, listen, the devil can't take your soul. He can buffet you. He can come against you. He can torment you even. But he can't take your soul. Why? Because your soul belongs to God. Praise the Lord. I mean, if the devil can take your soul, you're in trouble. But because of the blood and because of the victory of Jesus, the devil can't take your soul. We sung that song this morning. I felt I was about to go home. He's going to take us the whole way home. But he's going to keep bashing. But then the tactic's going to change. He's clever, you see. He's going to change the tactic. And sometimes when we have been bashed in the circumstances of our lives and the buffeting keeps coming, do you know what I'm talking about? They just keep coming day after day. Here's a new one for you today. Happy days. Here's another one for you. Boom. Hey. Here's another text message. Yeho. Praise the Lord. Here's another message from the pit of hell. And you're just going. Here's another thing that's happening. Here's something else. And you're watching how it's decimated. And the enemy's just pumping away. But you know the amazing thing? We're all still here. Praise the Lord. Amen. How did you make it? How did you make it? How did you make it through? Sorry if you were sleeping there. I've just woke you up. It's good. You shouldn't be sleeping in the house of God anyway. You're still here. How did you get through? The grace of God. The mercy of God. He's kept you. But then the change comes. And you've got to see this. Because this is what's already happened. It's already happened. It's not going to happen. It's happened. Chapter 6, we see as in our reading today, we read this, that there was no breach left therein. In other words, they'd, they'd seen the birth or the beginning of the work, and the work had then gone forward. It had come to a vital stage. And here's the vital stage. There was no breach left therein. Now, a breach in the wall is simply a gap. But the gap and the breach was never supposed to be there. Listen to me. I know it's simple this morning. It was never supposed to be there. When God had brought the judgment upon them and they were, they were driven from the city, then the enemy came in and broke down the walls. And the walls where the breaches were was a gap in the wall. And that gap was a familiar place to the enemy, but it was never supposed to be there in the plan of God. I want to say to you something this morning. You know, there's gaps. Some of you have got gaps in the wall, but that gap shouldn't be there. And it's an old familiar place for the enemy to come through. You know what I'm talking about. He comes through the same old gap. Here he comes again with the same old chip, chip, chip in your ear. It's maybe a weakness in your life. It's maybe a sin in your life. It's maybe something a besetting sin, but here's the old familiar gap. Here he comes again. And know what we do? We allow him to sort of dander through. 
He says, what about how you doing? No, no, I'm doing terrible. Things are going, oh, don't worry about it. Let me just pour in some bitterness. Let me just, come on, let's, let's gossip about it. Let's just go over it again. Let's fall into the old comfort of just your, the pleasure of your sin for a wee moment. Let me, let me put a few shackles on your hands. Let me take away your peace and your joy. Let me take away your victory. This. Let me just come in. I rub your back. What did they do on you? Oh, poor you. That's terrible. You should have a right to be bitter. Yes, be on for, yes, you should be angry. Did he say that to you? That's terrible. Then the victory's gone, the peace is gone, the joy is gone, the strength is gone, the bitterness comes, the envy comes, the jealousy comes, and all the strife comes. And then you're coming into the house of God, and people are singing, there's victory for me, and you've let the devil in through the breach all week, and there is no victory. And then someone says, you know, boy, that was a great meeting this morning. And you go, what meeting? Because your mind has been somewhere else the whole service. Because the breach is there. And he keeps coming in. Monday morning, I'll come in the breach. Good morning. Hello. Welcome in. Have another week of defeat. Have another week of bitterness. Have another week of anger. Have another week of of gossip. Have another week of secret sin. God says, I haven't purposed that for your life. I was the one that stood in the gap. I was the one that gave you the victory over sin and the powers of darkness. Sin will not have dominion over you. Build up the gaps in the wall. Do something. Oh, isn't that fair? Oh, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to hold on forgiveness. No, you don't. We have no rights. We have no rights. Would you say Amen. Anybody believe you have rights? Then get back to the cross and see Jesus and then you'll know you have no rights. And so this gap. You see, the Bible says this. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant and I wish it was the truth of his devices. I wish I could say that I've always been vigilant to the devices of Satan because I haven't. And see anyone who says that they always have, they haven't. Because we're flesh, we're weak. And the advantage here is that he's going to get the better off you. That's what it means. That Satan's going to get the better. He won't take your soul. He won't bring you to hell. But he'll take your joy, he'll take your peace, he'll take your victory, he can take your calling, he can take your purpose, he can take your song. You can live a whole life as a defeated Christian, still go to heaven, and God says, but I had a plan and a purpose of victory for you. You've lived that whole life where he's got, a, he's got a, an advantage on you. It's like two wrestlers. I'm not going to demonstrate this this morning. I'm not looking for a volunteer. But it's like two wrestlers, and he gets the advantage. He's got you down. He'll get an advantage if he can get one. If he finds the gap in your life, he'll take the entrance. He'll be in like a shot. You won't have to invite him. He'll come in. He'll wreck everything. If the gap's in the wall in the church, let me tell you something. You will not need to invite the devil in. He'll come in and he'll wreck it. And that's what he's doing today. He's having a field day. So the breaches that started to close up the gaps, they were wise to him. They were going to build. 
And they began to build up the gaps. But now the tactic is going to change. You see, brothers and sisters, I mean, I'm not talking about us having to be devil-minded, but we need to be wise. We need to be alert. We need The Bible says we need to be vigilant. So the enemy comes now. Remember, it's all laughing, scorn, mockery. These are a waste of time. What are you doing? Who do you think is our blah, 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 blah. We've heard it all for years. And then now is, no, 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 we're not your enemy. Come on down. Listen, let's have a wee chat. We're actually, do you know what? We were on your side all along. And you know, the church is so light. The church is so foolish. The church is so so driven by success in the worldly sense that they're quick to listen to the lies of the devil and head to the plains of oh no. Say oh no. They say it this way, oh no. It's well named, isn't it? As Willie Dick says, and I often think about it, we've seen this turkey before. Come, let us go down to one of the villages here in the plain, this is really important, in the plain of Ono. We'll have a chat here. The master plan of the enemy was when he couldn't get you by pounding you. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get you by compromise. Just take the foot off the pedal a wee bit. You see you guys up on the hinge. You're intense, boy. I mean, you're radical. You're a wee bit... You ever heard that? I mean, maybe we should just sort of, you know, let her herd down. Sorry, I looked at the wrong people there, but let your herd down and, and just sort of chill out. Come on over to the plains of Ono. Let's just have a chat about this. I mean, what, what do you think, you know? Because, you know, God loves us all. And so you hear all the rhetoric and all the right sayings and all the cliches. I want to be honest this morning. Compromise can be appealing when the opposition has been so fierce and the circumstances have been so tight. And all of a sudden you see a large level plane no hills, no ditches, no wild beasts. See a few wee sheep just grazing there. You can hear the water trickling down. And the devil says, come on over here. It could be so much easier if we just made a wee pact. We could join together. We could have church in the plain. We could sit down. We could make daisies, daisy rings, daisy chains. We could just... Listen, let's just make it a waiting room for heaven. Because we're all going to heaven. Just chill out. Don't be so radical. You're a wee bit, if you don't mind me saying, you're a wee bit intense, especially the boy at the front. He's a wee bit over the top. I mean, we need to maybe just have, let's just have some nice studies that keep everyone sort of happy, right? Hey, what about breaking it all up and we'll just, I'm not saying this is wrong, but we'll just have we sell groups everywhere and all meet together in somebody's house. It'd be so nice, wouldn't it? The breaking up of the assembly and together. 
Oh, but we still do it. Sure, house to house was in that. Yeah, yeah. See, the enemy's crafty. And if he can distract you, if he can get you off the path, if he can get me off the path, get you off the path, if he can get you off your focus, if he can get you off your calling, if he can get you off your purpose, he yanked the heat up, and when it doesn't work, then he's a different tactic altogether. Come on over to the plane of oh no. A large leveled area. And I might shock you today <clears throat> with how many people have left the wall for the plane of Ono. We'll join with you. But this has been, I believe, the most effective weapon, the most effective, satanic, powerful weapon in the days and in the generation that we have seen compromise. The great compromise, the Bible says, a little leaven will leaven the whole lot. Compromise on the fundamentals, the very fundamentals of the doctrines of God. But you see, he's more subtle than that because he knows that a lot of churches wouldn't. So he's going to be much more subtle. He's going to raise up an antichrist spirit that's so brutal, so forceful, so arrogant, so against the church of Jesus Christ that the next place that he's going to get you is that you compromise on morality. Compromise on morality. If we can get the wedge in here somewhere, that you're not just... You know, I know all the celebrities are having church and they're leading worship and all the young people are flocking to it and they're having an awesome time. And everyone's going, this is amazing because we are an inch deep and a mile wide. The Western church is so soft. So we'll get you to compromise on the hot topics of the day. Just a wee bit. Not much. We don't need much. But just a wee bit. Don't Say those things from the pulpit because, you know, that I don't feel right about when you say that. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you know the heart of this work, our heart is to see all men saved no matter who they are. But just compromise. And so for 15 years now, I can't tell you how many times that I've sat maybe in a car with someone and they've tried to say to me, well, look, it's a great, you know, you're a great, you know, you're a great preacher. And I go, oh, Lord. And we really like what you say, but. And at the end of it, they throw in some pet doctrine. Listen, I've been down too many rabbit holes. You can call me Bugs Bunny. If anyone says, what's up, Doc? I'm going to tell you something. I have heard them all. Oh, we, we don't believe in tithing. Well, this church does. We don't believe in God's Word. We don't believe in the biblical creation. You know, could it have been millions of years? No, no, it was six days. Listen, you come and with all... Listen, you might think I, I, I don't get all this. I get all this. We're not happy with how you have the church government. This is the way it is. We're not happy. Maybe if you just shorten your services. See if you shorten your services. It's place to be packed. See if you didn't preach so long. I mean, you get a lot of people in because, like, you're a good preacher, but you know what I mean? I mean, it, let me tell you something, friends. This is what it is. 
We're not perfect. We haven't got all the answers, but it is what it is. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's like any variety out there, but this is what it is. But I'm not going down the rabbit holes, the distractions. Well, brother, let me just, I'm going to just point out a few wee things there. <laughs> Friends, I don't have anything to lose because I've already lost it all. But I've gained everything in Christ. So they'll compromise your calling. Listen, compromise your calling. Uh, listen, people have, are sitting in the plane of Ono today and they've compromised their calling for it. It's too hard. It's too intense. I'm just going to sail into some church somewhere. I can just sit at the back and just enjoy myself. See all that there? And they've given up their calling in God. They've surrendered their calling in God. Compromising God's purpose. This is what the Bible says. They thought to do me mischief. They had a wee plan. Let me tell you something, friends. We need to be so watchful. We need to be so watchful. On the Isle of Patmos, there was a false prophet by the name of Bar-Jesus. Paul and Barnabas came there in Acts 13. There was a man there called Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul, desired to hear the word of the Lord. But this man was a saucer for it was withstood them saying, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. There was a, listen, this guy, and I tell you, friends, even the church is filled with this, to turn men away from the faith. We are just supposed to be earnestly contend for the faith. And there's people, there are wolves in the church, and some of them are on platforms, are turning people away from the faith. And this is where we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, you're an enemy of righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? They would call Paul a legalist, and they would ban him from every pulpit that there is in this land, probably. Because the, how the enemy is so, the mischief of the enemy. Closing in two minutes, David said these words, Psalm 28, verse 3, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds, according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render them, because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He will destroy them and not build them up. Lord, don't draw us away with these things. Bible says we're to take heed, we're to be watchful, that we would not fall. And we're to pray one for another and pray for the leaders of this church and pray for the pulpit of the church. God, Lord, if it's not me, if it's not Stephen, may there be a clear trumpet sound. David said these words, if you turn to Psalm 26, I'm closing in a minute. Judge me, O Lord. For I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. I will not slide. Examine me, O Lord. Prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with feigned persons. Neither will I go in with the dissemblers. That is the hypocrites. We're not going with the hypocrites. 
I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar. Lord, we will come to your cross, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving a tale of all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. That's a just place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. This is where we'll stand, at the cross. And we will not slide by the grace of God, but we have hated evildoers. But in your house we will publish our thanksgiving. We will praise you, God, for your great and wonderful works. And Nehemiah sent the wee message back. And he said these words. And we should all say it. I'm doing a great work. So that I cannot come down. What was about to happen was absolutely awesome. And this is what was about to happen. This is why the tactic was changed. Remember what he said. Though at this time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. The breaches were closed. The wall was being built. But the doors were not on the hinges. Do you know what that speaks of? There was a bite, because we know, we've been well taught, that gates, doors, speak of ministry. Those 12 gates... On Jerusalem, all are a type of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the minister of the sanctuary. And when the doors were put in place, then there was going to be the fullness of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the enemy was saying, come down to the plain. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, what I sense in my heart. The walls have come up. Breaches are being closed. Some still need to be closed. The doors aren't in place. The cry is for the fullness of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just the operation of the gifts. Corinth had the gifts, but they were carnal. Listen, it's important. But the full ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is the function of this ministry, the full gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the fruit of the Holy Ghost and the power of Christ ministering in the sanctuary. They were just on the verge to enter into the fullness of what God had. And the enemy was saying, come on over to Oh No. No wonder. Well, we've got something for the enemy this morning. Oh No. We're doing a great work for the Lord. We're not coming down. Close the breaches. Close the breaches. Build up the wall. The ministry of Christ will be restored to the church because he's coming for a glorious bride. Don't slide, folks. Getting far for God. Keep the focus. Let's stand together this morning.